From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's June 25th, 2021. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. This is the show, by the way, for the week of June 25th, 2021. Uh, do not be confused. <laughs> we had a website meltdown or something happened. And uh, so we lost one of our shows from last week. We had to reload it. And so people are like, what's going on? You reloaded the show this week, last week. And I'm like, no. So... Our, this is the show <laughs> that was supposed to be loaded. Your feed may have two of our shows back-to-back from last week, but it's this is the right show. You're listening to the right show. <laughs> yeah, it's just really a bummer that Al Gore kind of phoned it in when he created the Internet. No. Uh, like, when you want to update your website theme, it shouldn't, like, destroy your entire website, right? So <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> but all good now. I had a little back up there, and we're back. So yeah, if you, you if you were one of the seven people that visited our website last week, you probably uh, realized it looked really wonky and weird. But it's back to normal now. Um, I blame yeah, COVID. Here soon too, so it'll look nicer. So. I think it was COVID. Oh yeah, yeah. Everything. I blame everything on COVID now. So. <laughs> if you do, then you get money from the government. So that's what I'm hoping for. Oh man. <laughs> All right, big exciting news today, Chris. Very, very, very happy to be announcing this. Our Antioch World Championship is returning to Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, August 13th to the 29th. Full schedule and more details will be released in a couple weeks, but save the dates for now. If I could mail out a little save the dates card to every one of you, I would. But Awesome. So awesome. Right? Yeah, it is. It's so awesome. And uh, and uh, not only is our, our first any up tour event back since uh, COVID, uh, it's Thunder Valley's first tournament series. So uh, they are equally as excited about this as we are. So once they uh, finalize all those details, we will sharing with us, but uh, sharing them with you. But uh, for now, go ahead and book your airfare because I I told uh, Ben Irwin, the director of poker yesterday, uh, I'm coming out for the entire time. I, I need to get out of this house. And I need to have some fun. Yeah, enjoy being at Thunder Valley. So. I was thinking about coming out just for the last week, but I'm like, screw it. I need, I need some time in California. So I'll, I'll hopefully be there the entire uh, run of the series. So very excited to get back out there. And it's so fitting that we are returning to the scene arm in arm with uh, Thunder Valley and Ben Irwin. So just very happy about it and uh, really looking forward to your updates from there and uh, what we're going to do with uh, the content from that. And Just very excited. Very good good news for all of us. Absolutely. So we'll see you out there. More good news coming up. <laughs> uh, the U.S. Department of Justice decided not to appeal a court ruling over its interpretation of the Wire Act, meaning that interstate poker is here to stay. That case originated in New Hampshire, which a few years back shared its player pool with Nevada and Delaware. Department of Justice uh, took issue with the arrangement but lost its case and its first appeal, which came under the Trump administration. It appears the Biden administration has less desire to continue the fight. Yep, that's the good news I was talking about. <laughs> Why did we get confused there? But that is uh, that is a huge deal, and now it might sort of relax the people who were considering doing something with online poker. You know, they didn't want to have to go through all that trouble just to have it be denied. So this can uh, this can loosen things up for us even more, and let the other stuff that's already there continue. So very exciting. Yeah, and uh, the other part, too, is now if you're a state and you are considering the revenue um, projections for online poker, 
they uh, go up dramatically when you are uh, sharing your players with other states. So that's that's the big thing I think come out of this. So hopefully that will work and get uh, lots of other states, not Florida because we're idiots down here, but um, lots of other states to uh, to jump on board with this. Um, and I got to tell you, thing, you know, I'm doing this little side gig editing for another uh, gaming website, and um, uh, the amount of sports betting uh, that is just really spread like wildfire through the United States. I'm yeah. like states that it is up to now that have sports betting um and uh florida hopefully will be doing it in uh, october um so yeah uh, there's been a lot of legislation lately uh for online gaming in general so it'd be nice if poker get uh was able to catch up to that uh massive spreading you're cheating on me <laughs> you're cheating on the anti up nation <laughs> what the hell dude yeah, it's fine it's fine yeah, I'm sure it is fun for you. You're the one doing the cheating. Hey, if you want to come to my house every day from 2 to 4 and do the work, uh, I'll be happy. <laughs> no thanks. It's really cribbing my nap style. So. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> All right, according to statistics from Poker Industry Pro, GG Poker is now the world's largest online poker room, eclipsing longtime leader poker stars. Recent stats from the Poker Industry Pro show GG Poker worth more than 5,000 concurrent cash games and a seven-day rolling average. While PokerStars had less than five thousand in the same period. Wow, that's crazy. You know, it's one yeah one uh, numeric standard here. So I mean, I don't. I, there's not like a PokerStars is handing over a trophy to <laughs> right, poker. right. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, right? it's just crazy. I didn't. I had no idea how big they were. You know, we've always talked about how it's over there, and so we were sort of disconnect. And uh, you know, PokerStars has always been the leader since we basically started playing poker. So it's just a. It's a shock, you know. I mean, like I said, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't mean anything. Both sites are still incredibly successful and creating tons and tons of millionaires. But uh, to me, it's like, wow, it's, that's shocking. Um, and I'm sure that they're the ones, they would love to have it be, uh, you know, regulated in America. They'd love to come over here with a blast and just crush the country. But, you know, until that happens. But still, it is pretty amazing. Bigger than Poker Stars. Pretty big. Yeah, and you think back, um, you know, we've been in this business a long time now, right? So we've seen a lot of, like, people start poker rooms and think it's going to be the online poker rooms and be the next big thing, right? And, mm-hmm. like, three months later, four months later, a year later, they're out of business. Yeah. It was really hard to break into this this business because it's it's so hard uh, building the back end. I mean, everybody can get, like, a skin of software, but the, the back end and marketing, it's all about marketing and providing a good player experience. And... Attracting players because again, if you don't attract players, then there's no games, right? So that's why it's really cool to see that there's you know both of these sites are right around five thousand cash games at a time, which is amazing. So yeah, think about that. that's that's basically around fifty thousand people playing at once. That, yep. that's crazy. Just in cash games, yeah, just just cash exactly. games, yeah, just cash games, exactly. Not mention the tournaments, and then if you combine the two sites together, I mean, there's a hundred thousand people just playing cash games online, just those two sites. It's just crazy. Yep. Amazing. Amazing stats. Yeah, crazy. Also amazing, Doyle Brunson isn't done with the World Series of Poker quite yet, folks. The Hall of Famer, now 87 years young, tweeted this week that he plans to play a few select tournaments at this fall's series. Brunson's last tournament was three years ago when he finished sixth in a no-limit deuce-to-seven single-draw event at the WSOP. So which story is more amazing, that at 84 he finished sixth in that major <laughs> event or that 87 he's coming back to play more? It's crazy. <laughs> don't you wish well, that you could take a like a shot of his DNA and just put it in your ass? I mean, seriously. 
<laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing about poker. We, I'm sure we've talked about this a lot, too. So, uh, I mean, obviously, your your mind deteriorates over time, right? I mean, you and I are far dumber than we were 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, so there is that aspect of it. But it's also not really a physical sport, right? Um, but... Uh, when these tournaments are super long, you're playing like days on end and 14, 16 hours a day, which is what Doyle said really um, killed him. So, um, so there is an athletic part of it, right? I mean, your body has to get up and move or be able to like, withstand that. But aside from that, it's it's your mind. As long as your mind is sharp, I mean, you can be really, really good at poker for a long time. And uh, certainly Doyle's mind is uh, at least three years ago was still the top of his game so it is it is remarkable i mean you, you know you, you sit there during the day at our age and you'll be like trying to remember something and it's driving you crazy and you end up grabbing like your magic box and looking it up on the internet because you don't have the brain power to figure out or remember what you're trying to remember and it's like oh my god my, my mind really is starting to go it's not as sharp as it used to be then you think about what it would be like 37 38 39 years from now what your brain's going to be like. And this guy's entering the, the freaking World Series and he's finishing sixth in major events you know, just three years ago. It's it's insane. I just wish I had his DNA. I really do. Remarkable. Remarkable guy. I'm going to be really interested in what select events he chooses. Uh, again, if you think back, I remember this three years ago. One of the reasons he, he played this deuce to seven was because it wasn't going to be a long tournament because there's not a lot of people that, that want to play that. And at those stakes, right? So it's not this four-day-long grueling right. uh, theme. So I'm going to guess it's going to be some more of these uh, high buy-in, uh, rare games, right? So right. Uh, I do not anticipate him playing the world, uh, the main event, obviously. But, right, uh, no. But still, even like when you have a home game, you know, and you're or a serious home game, or if you're entering a tournament that's, you know, that's just a daily or something, you're still mentally drained when it's over, no matter how long you last. And that's just a few hours. So no matter how long he plays, he's still playing at the highest stakes, the highest uh, ability. And he's still, you know, able to do this. It's remarkable. I, You know what's funny is I remember, it was like 13, 14 years ago when I was interviewing him at Foxwoods, and the guy walks by and he's like, with his girlfriend, young guy, and he's like, hey, honey, that's Doyle Brunson. And we, I'm interviewing, and we're just sort of like listening to him a little bit. And then he's like, he's been playing poker for 75 years. And I'm like, he was only 74 at the time or whatever, you know. But I thought, holy cow, it's almost at that point now where he has been playing poker that long now. It's crazy. I mean, oh, he probably started when he was in his teens. Yep, yep. Insane. Oh, uh, I, I wonder if anybody's willing to wager if he's going to cash. Because I, I think I would take the he will cash. Wager. Yeah, I would take the over, not the under yep. on that. I think he would cash. Uh, That's definitely give us something to look forward to. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens. All right, uh, we had one new re reopening this week. That's the Blue Lake Casino Hotel in California. Uh, so that gets us up to 255 reopened poker rooms. And remember to go to antietmagazine.com slash reopen. Now working again. Um, for all those reopenings and email us updates at editor at antiochmagazine.com and look for that uh, e-newsletter in your inbox every Thursday at 11 a.m. Uh, Papes, the Antioch Fans free online tournament series on PokerStars Play Money site is available everywhere. Details on how to join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. And uh, if you're listening, that if you go on that page, there is a broken link somewhere in there. I looked at it today. Um, so you might want to get on that, but it doesn't hurt anybody from signing up. I just want to make sure they know that their page needs some work. 
Uh, games are on the 6th, 16th, and 26th every month in Rotate Disciplines of the main tournament, followed by a second chance event. PokerStars lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Join the Annie Up Fans group Facebook page, post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call the floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Annie Up logo designs on merchandise at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash shop. You can buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and more with your choice of Annie Up Magazine, Annie Up Poker Cast, or Annie Up Poker Tour logos. If you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcast.anniapmagazine.com or post in the Annie Up Fans group on Facebook. We're going to complete O'Malley's move today, which is always good. Uh, this is going to be part one, and then we'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we've extended ourselves a bit and are playing in a 5-5 no-limit hold'em home game. The buy-in is 1,000 and the game is six-handed. We sit with 1,200, up 200. The blinds post, the under-the-gun limps. This player is loose and passive. He's pretty much a calling station. He bought into the game for 1,000 and currently sits with 875. We're next to act and look down at the ace of diamonds, jack of diamonds. We make it $20 to go, which is a standard raise for the game. The button folds, the small blind calls, the big blind folds, and the under the gun calls. The pot is around $60, and the flop is the 10 of clubs, 8 of spades, 5 of hearts. The small blind and under the gun check to us. This is about as dry as it can get. I think we need to bet here. We make it $40 to go. The small blind folds, but the under the gun calls quickly. The pot is 140 and the turn is the deuce of hearts. Once again, the under the gun checks. We're going to make another play at this. We bet 100. Again, the under the gun calls. The pot is 340 and the river is the four of diamonds. The under the gun checks. So, are we triple barreling here? What's the move? All right, we don't beat much here, so our chances are to check and hope ace high is good or bet and try to buy the pot. The ladder gives us two ways to win instead of one, but the quick calls have me spooked, so I'm checking. Yeah, this guy clearly has a hand that beats us since there were no real draws, and we were told he's a calling station. So I'm just going to lick our wounds, and just like Scott, I'm going to check behind. All right, here's part two. Hello again. Did you get the clue from the first part of this episode? I didn't. You should never try to bluff a calling station. We triple-barreled, making it $200 to go. Our opponent calls. We table our hand, and our opponent tables the Queen of Clubs, Ten of Spades. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, Never try to bluff a calling station. I feel like I should know this by now. I hope to see you on the phone. I'm having flashbacks to Mike Matisau losing his crap over Greg Raymer, calling him down every street. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's a bold move, but we got caught. And uh, calling stations are, they are not fun to play with unless you have the nuts. So don't make well, that mistake I, again. Here's the thing. I would much rather play against a calling station than a maniac. Because a calling station, you know how to do it. So you you know this move is not going to work, right? So, yeah. so, 
So, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, bluff them off of hand, so you're going to have to beat them with the goods. Where maniacs, you just never know where they are, in my opinion. So, and you're always playing big pots with them, right? Because yeah. that's what they do. So, yeah. you're playing a lot of smaller pots with calling stations. So, neither one are fun, but uh, I would take a table of calling stations over a table of maniacs any day. Sure, it's a much more controlled environment, and you know you're going to get paid off, and you just know you can't bluff. You just adjust your game a little bit, and you should walk away a winner. This is Noah Brunson, and you're listening to Annie Up. All right, it's time with advancedpokertraining.com and the week's in your hands or situations podcast at antietmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Todd McGee is our victim this week, Chris, or our hero. Hero hmm. or victim, I guess. All I guess right. we'll find out. Right. All right, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, he says, love the show, guys. Uh, I miss playing live, so I joined one of the monthly subscription sites that offers tournaments only. Lots of limpers and multi-way flops in early rounds. Most players are recreational and just out for fun. Not a lot of, not a lot of deep-thinking strategy on the site. The play is very passive. Min bets and min raises are the norm, even for people who have monster hands. People overplay aces, undervalue kickers, and play big to chase sets, flushes, and straights, including gut shots. So, yeah, sounds like your typical uh, free or subscription-based poker game, right? Yeah, right. All right, uh, he says, the villain in his hand is to my left. He min-raises pre-flop constantly and c-bets almost every time. He started the hand with about 3,100 in chips. Uh, our starting stack was 3,000, and I had about 4,500. All right, so we have him covered by about 1,400. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, uh, two limpers to us, and we are on the button with Queen Jack offsuit. Well, I don't know. Looks like we're at the 2550 level. 2550. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's not a great hand. Um, if I'm going to play a hand like this. I mean, sometimes I'll limp just because it seems like a lot of people are going to be in there and I have connectors. You know, if you make one of these pairs, you're not going to have top kicker. So, you know, you could be out kicked. Um, you know, it's one of those kind of trap hands. So uh, it's fun to limp and then pick up like two pair or straight draw or something like that. Um, you can also raise to throw them off. So they'll never put you on this type of hand. So it just really depends on the mood at the table and sort of the persona I have at the table and what I'm going to do with it when I get to this situation. Uh, it seems kind of early. It's a tournament. It's the first round. I mean, I guess that's unless they were playing 510 or something, but it's a pretty early point in the game. Um, we're up a bunch already, so clearly we're outplaying someone at this table. So I don't really feel, feel any need to just get overly involved. Um, so I might, I might just limp and just see if I hit it. And then, you know, cause I like to speculate when I'm up and speculating is, more calling than raising the way I play. So um, I don't mind limping here and just, as Scott likes to say, you know, just, you know, be prepared to follow the plan. You know, don't get away from the plan. If you happen to hit just your jack or something, you know, don't get too committed to it because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you could be up against King Jack and you're going to be pipped. So, you know, I don't mind, I don't mind limping, but if I'm going to, if I'm going to be aggressive or if that's the person I am at this table, then I'm going to raise and I'm probably going to make it 5X or 6X just because we have limpers ahead of us and I want to, I have the button, so I'm going to have position the rest of the way, but I want to at least, you know, make anybody else trying to speculate like me to, uh, to pay some price. So, um, 
it would just depend. I, I really don't know what's going on at this table for myself. Um, but generally, I just I'll just limp along because I already have the position, um, and a lot of times blinds will fold out. So, um, you know, at least a small blind. So if not, then uh, if somebody makes some sort of move, then maybe I'll recess. But right now, let's just limp and see a flop with position. Yeah, I think that's one of the things where you, uh, in a tournament, you need to shift your strategy as the limits go up, right? So right. this is the first round, I imagine, because it's 25-50. Um, we have a, a really large stack here. Um, I mean, we're, we've added 25% to our stack. Um, so I, I don't mind splashing around a little bit here. By splashing around, I mean call and, and, and hope to flop big and get out if I don't. Because um, here's the other thing too, when, when you're at these levels, um, you end up you, you use a lot of your um, uh, bandwidth uh, trying to outplay people for small pots. So you want to save that bandwidth for when the pots actually mean something. So later on in the tournament, if I'm going to play this hand, I'm going to play it for a raise every, all the, every time and try to outplay these players. But mm -hmm. now it's so cheap right now. Uh, I'm quite happy with a couple limpers in there to uh, make the call and hopefully flop big. If I don't flop big, I can fold and go make a sandwich and wait for the next hand. So. Yep, exactly. All right, uh, let's see. So we do call. Uh, he says, I hate Queen Jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, small blind, uh, min raises for no reason to $100. Uh, the big blind of both limpers call, and it's back to us. Yeah, I'm just going to call. I mean, I'm definitely calling. There's... For 50 more, you know what I mean, to a ton of money out there, you're basically getting 10 to 1 on your money when the call's made. So, you know, nine and a half, to whatever. So I'm I'm going to call nine to one of my money. Uh, and it's yeah. same thing. It's only 50, so who cares? It's more exciting now, actually, because there's so much more money in the pot uh, for that extra 50 that makes sense. And uh, and we're closing out the action, too, so we're not yes. So, yes. yeah, an easy call here, so... All right, that's what our hero does, and there's five of us to the flop with a pot of 500. Uh, flop comes Jack, 8-6 with two hearts. Small blind donk bets 200. The big blind folds. The first limper calls, but the second limper folds, and it's back to us. Okay, that's not a donk bet, though. He, he's the one who raised preflop, so that's he's supposed to. Right, a donk bet yep. is when you bet it into somebody who raised So. Uh, I don't mind the two hundred dollar bet if the you know the person's trying to thin the field a little bit. He bet you know he should have bet a little more, but he still bet. I don't mind that. Um, uh, let's see. It's pretty coordinated. I'm probably gonna raise. I mean, Jack eight six. All kinds of straights get there, especially from like blinds that are playing and limpers that are playing. And if somebody had a set, they probably would have bet more if it wasn't a small blind. So. I think I'm going to raise, you know, I want to, I want to get heads up now. I'm not, this is what we talked about earlier. Now we're not going for straights and, and flushes and things like that. Now we're hoping, you know, to now take this hand down with a pair. Uh, I feel like if the guy really hit this hand, he might've bet more to protect it. Uh, I feel like that's, that bet is kind of smallish, although he, he did min race. So he really maybe doesn't know how to bet. So I can't really put too much weight into that 200 bet. Uh, I feel like I need to raise though. I need to get these people out. So I don't know. Probably I'd make it a thousand. Yeah, I think I agree. I, I definitely have to raise here. Um, it, it's uh, it's a matter of what it is. So I mean, I'm in is four hundred, which sounds like is what people do, but that doesn't mean it's effective in this game, right? So mm. yeah, I, I I think probably at least seven hundred, maybe. Yeah, I was thinking that if we made it 
3x, right, it'd be 600. And then we had another limper, that's 200, that's 800. So it feels like people aren't really folding out. So 800 to 1,000 is what I would probably do somewhere in there. Yep. Um, all right. Our hero says, if it had only been me in the small blind, I would have re-raised. Or I guess I've been raised, right? Uh, but the other person makes me think my jack might not be good or is either chasing a straight or a flush and likely won't fold unless I bet huge. Or shove. Wow, I can't even imagine shoving here. Jeez. And either then it's uh, debatable. I generally wait until the turn to try to get the chasers to fold. I debate a raise, but decide to flat. Uh, three to the turn with a pot of 1,100. Hmm. Uh, turn is the ace of spades, putting two hearts and two spades on the board of jack, eight, six, ace. Small blind bets 400. Uh, the middle player folds and is now dust. Well... A lot of times I'm afraid of that ace because let's say he had ace-queen and that's why he raised preflop, you know, and then he c-bets because he's supposed to after the flop. Well, now he's hit his ace and our jack is no good. So I don't know if I'm going to raise now since we pretty much are heads up. Um, I might want to keep the pot small. I'll probably just call the four, you know, and then hope for a jack or a queen on the, on the river that isn't a heart or a spade whatever the opposite of the other cards are, so it doesn't make a flush possible. Not that I think this guy has a draw to that, but he might, um, and he's representing the ace, that kind of thing. But um, I feel like I feel like a call's in order now. I, I don't think I need to bloat the pot with heads-up player in position, so I can always just call and end the, the betting, you know, uh, close it out on the river anyway if I want to, you know, and if make a big decision on a big bet, then that's that's whatever. But to me... There's no reason to raise here now. He, if, if he's got the ace, he's going to come over the top again, and I'm just wasting money, and I'm going to have to fold. So I'm just going to call and, and make a big judgment on the river, depending on, on what suit comes and what, what rank comes. Yeah, so I, I really wish we would have raised on the flop here, because I, I don't know where we are is my problem now. Yeah. And that ace is, is scary, because obviously it's, it's bigger than what we have. Now we've got two flush draws going, and like you said, I'm not too worried about the flush. I don't think our our villains on a flush, but you know, you never know. So there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of cards for this river that aren't going to be kind to us, and, uh, and I think as you mentioned, I'm like we're really trying to. I'm not going to feel comfortable unless we hit a queen or a jack, right? So right. at this point, I, I don't know whether it's even worth this 400. At the same time, I don't know what the small blind has, so he could be all over the place right now, and we could have him beat right now. So. Yeah, so I guess on balance, I'm going to call here. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do on a river if I miss any bets, because I don't know whether I can call another bet at that point. But so with that in mind, that's what makes me really doubt calling here. But I think we're going to have to now because uh, how big the pot is and that, that we actually have somewhat of a hand. So. Um, all right, our hero says, uh, I'm not too worried that the small blind has an ace, so I call. I think a raise would scare him off, and I want him to bet again on the river. Wow, that's an interesting strategy now. I'm a little worried that we're behind. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't be positive that he doesn't have an ace. Uh, just like I said, a standard, you know, hey, I'm in the small blind with ace-queen, and I'm raising pre-flop. You know, just because his raise was small, we already found out that a lot of people on this site aren't exactly deep thinkers, so... How do we know he didn't raise with ace queen and now he's at his ace or even ace king? You know, it, I just I, I can't be positive he doesn't have an ace. Now that being said, I mean if this is what we believe, this is the right strategy, right? We want him mm -hmm. to hang himself one more time. We raise here and then we would scare him out. So let's have him take a shot. I just it's uh, it's interesting. Obviously, Todd has got more of a history with with these players than we do. So 
All right, uh, pot is now 1,900. The river is another eight, so the final board is jack, eight, six, ace, eight, rainbow. And our opponent bets 800. Hmm. All right, so that's 2,700, eight. Yeah, I'm going to call. I mean, yeah, I'm not folding. I mean, that's, even if if I'm wrong, uh, I've got a lot of information on how this guy plays, and I still have basically my starting stack. So uh, I'm going to call. I'm not raising. There's no reason. There's no reason to raise. Right. Um, the eight could have given him trips, and that sucks. Um, but you know, I just this guy just keeps doing the same thing, doubling the bet from before. So it doesn't seem like he's putting any thought into it, which means I don't think he hit the eight, and I don't think he has the ace. To be honest with you, I think he's got a a pair that's we're either chopping the pot with the guy, or he's got a pair that's you know a six or sevens in his hand that he, you know, I, I just, it doesn't seem like he's put any thought into this at all. Um, the, the way he's bet. Now he could have been doing this the whole night and that's the way he plays. He just does that automatically. So you can't get a tell on him, but it seems like the people on this site aren't exactly that kind of a, uh, player. So, uh, I'm just going to call. And if we lost, we'll learn a lot. And if we won, then we learned a lot too. So, all right, uh, our hero says, now I'm worried he has been betting a middle pair all this time in River to set. His tendency is that if he connects with anything on the flop, he bets aggressively. I don't think I can raise, but given how certain I am, he doesn't have an ace. I don't think I can fold either. If he has a jack, we're chopping. If he has an eight, I'm doomed. I decide to call, and he turns over king six, and I scoop him. <laughs> oh, king six, and he raised preflop with the small, from the small blind? Yep. Oh, man. So that's, oh, how do you play against people like that? Well, that's how you play. You, you win by calling down with the uh, second pair, right? Oh. <laughs> One of the strategies that you get to like, you know, you, you don't want to be spooked out of a pot when play, people are playing this late, so it worked out. So the hot asked, uh, should I have raised after the flop of the turn, and should I have raised in the river to try to extract max value? Definitely yes on the uh, first con. I, I, I don't think I'm raising Yeah. Yes on the flop, no on the turn, definitely no on the river. Yep, I like that. Nice summary there. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I would uh, I would stay in this subscription site for a little longer. I think you could make some decent money on here. I, I don't know if it's money or what what it is, but if you can make money on it, I would because people playing like that all the time around you. I mean, you'll you'll figure them out pretty quickly and make some decent cash. You'll probably cash a lot in tournaments for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely, and um, uh, I, I'm curious now if we had raised in that flop, whether we would have got called. I think we would have. It's possible. I mean, I don't know though. I mean, it's not like he's the calling station from O'Malley. You know what I mean? It, if you sure. give him, we never gave him any kind of brushback at all. We limped pre, called his uh, called his raise, so we didn't re-raise, and we never did anything but call, call, call. So. Um, I don't know. I think he got max value for this hand, to be honest with you. I think he did. I don't think he's getting any more money out of this guy. Yeah. You know. All right, Todd. Thanks for sending that hand in. Much appreciated. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.